Hi, everybody, and welcome to Martin Bandike Undercovers for June 2019, produced in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. This month's interview is with Ian S. Port about his book, The Birth of Loud, Leo Fender, Les Paul, and the guitar pioneering rivalry that shaped rock and roll. Described by the New York Times as a hot rod joyride through mid-20th century American history, this one-of-a-kind narrative masterfully recreates the rivalry between the two men who innovated the electric guitar's amplified sound, Leo Fender and Les Paul, and their intense competition to convince rock stars like the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, and Eric Clapton to play the instruments they built. While Fender was a quiet, self-taught radio repairman, Les Paul was a brilliant but headstrong pop star and guitarist who spent years toying with new musical technologies. I began my interview with Ian S. Port by asking him about the use of the electric guitar before rock music. It was used pretty extensively in jazz as well. Well, that's the interesting thing. You know, players were, there were electric guitar players in jazz, um, people like Charlie Christian and, of course, people like Les Paul. But if you go back and listen to some of the jazz that they played on, with the, you know, Les Paul would be in the background kind of chopping out these chords. Um, and so it wasn't really super prominent, although later you know, in his jazz career, Les did manage to sneak a few solos in there, and he had a kind of jazz trio that was pretty, pretty guitar-focused. So kind of in the waning days of jazz, the, guitar began, the electric guitar began to, to emerge as a real primary instrument. Talk about the founders of these two incredible companies, Fender and Gibson, Leo Fender and Orville Gibson. What, what is the time frame? When did both of these great inventors live? Well, so Orville Gibson lived back in the late 1800s and put Gibson together around 1894 is when the first Gibson um, sort of came together. But Leo Fender was much later. He was um, started Fender in 1946 in the back of a radio shop in Fullerton, California. And he was a radio repairman who began to make amplifiers and steel guitars for the kind of cowboy western swing musicians of Southern California, Los Angeles. This was some of the most popular music in Los Angeles at the time and, and in the West. And Leo had a unique talent with electronics. He was able to kind of make the clearest, best-sounding, loudest, brightest amplifiers. And quickly his career accelerated, um, and he was looking for a new sound. And that's where he ran into Les Paul, who was a jazz guitarist and country guitarist with an interest in electronics, who was also looking for a new kind of powerful electric guitar sound. And Gibson, is, that, is it true it began in Kalamazoo, Michigan? Is that correct? That is correct. It was the began in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yep. I love it. I love it. So what what were the breakthroughs in, in electric guitars for Gibson and for uh, Fender? What what were what were the first models that really sold well? And again, about what year are we talking about? Sure. So in 1951, Fender introduced the first commercial solid body electric guitar, and that's what we know today as the Telecaster. You know, and this is a guitar, it's very simple looking, it's made out of a, basically a plank of wood, and when the eastern firms who first saw it, companies like Gibson in Michigan and Gretsch in New York, I mean, they laughed at it. They called it a toilet seat with strings, because it was just so radical to build a guitar out of a solid plank of wood. But quickly, they began realizing that players liked it, because it was relatively affordable, it was durable, and you could turn it up as loud as you wanted without getting feedback. So quickly, Gibson turned around 
designed its own solid body electric guitar and managed to get the endorsement of Les Paul himself, Leo's friend, and the Gibson Les Paul model was Gibson's first real solid body. That came out the following year in 1952. And you said Gibson. I mean, the company goes back to the late 1800s, but they didn't start by by building guitars. It was a different instrument, correct? It was uh, Gibson started with uh, mandolins ah. and and guitars pretty early on, I believe. But they did start out with, I think, the mandolins. Um, and I think they made some they made some banjos too back in the uh, in the 1900s, early 1900s. That's correct. And tell us more about Les Paul. I mean, he's he's got the, this long time the the Les Paul Gibson that's been around for for so many years. And Les Paul, for those who who don't know, was an, an incredibly major recording artist here in the U.S. Right? Absolutely, Les Paul was. Um, he comes from Waukesha, Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, he was basically a professional guitar player before he was old enough to graduate from high school. He was an absolutely just fierce talent and just a brilliant musician and a very charming, outgoing, funny guy who was super driven to succeed, wanted to be a star, kind of followed his way all across the country playing guitar, ended up in Southern California during World War II because he wanted to play with the great jazz singer Bing Crosby. And that's where Les Paul's breakthrough came out. He and Crosby recorded a song that became a major hit, and then Les Paul kind of thought, hey, I want to be a pop star myself. I don't want to just be some side man. I want to be the front man. So he started looking for a kind of unique electric guitar tone that would give him a kind of sonic signature, right, and make him, help make him famous. And together with his wife, Mary Ford, he became one of the most popular pop recording artists of the early 1950s, of the kind of pre-rock and roll era. I mean, they were selling 15 million records a year, mm. traveling all over the country, traveling to London. They were huge hit makers. Mm-hmm. All right, let's switch back to Fender here. So the, the Telecaster came first, and then when did the Stratocaster arrive? And in, in, in layman's terms, what are the differences between those two classic guitars? Yeah, absolutely. So Fender puts out the Telecaster. A year later, Gibson puts out the Les Paul. Uh-huh. And Fender is quickly realizing, like, oh, no, you know, our huge rival just came out with a much prettier, sort of warmer, mellower-sounding guitar. We've got to answer this. We've got to come up with something that's even cooler than the Gibson Les Paul. So two years after that, 1954, Fender comes out with this radical guitar that's called the Stratocaster, which has this two-horned kind of body, this cutaway, um, and the back of the body is, is carved out so it fits around the player's body. It's an incredibly comfortable guitar. And in terms of what's different from the Telecaster, the Stratocaster has a whammy bar. It's really like one of the first, the first guitar that comes out with a whammy bar already on it. So that means that's a lever you can push that changes the, pre, uh, the tone, the pitch of the strings and and kind of gives you that cool Hendrix tone um, and the Stratocaster has three pickups instead of two so you get more kind of sonic uh, variation more more variety than you can get with a Telecaster and it just had a kind of cool futuristic look and it didn't look like a plain working man's guitar at all it looked like something you know from outer space and a couple of people behind the scenes for both companies. Can you tell us just a little bit about the importance of um, Don Randall with Fender and Ted McCarty with Gibson? Absolutely. So Don Randall <clears throat> signed on in the very early days of Fender. He was like a stock boy originally at this radio parts store who got tasked with kind of running this this electric line of instruments, and he became the head of the Fender business operation, Fender Sales. And he was the one who kind of, his job was basically to go out and interface with artists and get them to play Fender stuff, get Fender out there and sort of 
um, present Fender to the public mind as like not a tool for professionals or specialists, but something that everyone could have, anyone should have in their living room as like a kind of recreational thing. And that Randall really helped do that, helped bring the guitar to American living rooms. Now, Ted McCarty was the president of Gibson, and it was actually his team that designed the Gibson Les Paul and all of the great Gibson guitars from the uh, early 50s through the late 60s, like the SG, the ES-335, the Explorer. And Ted McCarty, you know, was a, was a music industry professional, and he knew enough to listen to his craftsmen when they came up with a great idea, like the humbucking pickup. And so it's really his genius that we're seeing in a lot of these guitars, like the Gibson Les Paul and the SG and others. And a final question, who are some of the other great guitarists associated with both Fender and Gibson? We've got Les Paul with the Gibson, of course, with the Gibson Les Paul, the signature model, Hendrix with the Stratocaster, but name a few other musicians known for their use of either a Fender or a Gibson electric guitar, Ian. Yeah, sure. So Buddy Holly kind of was the first 1950s rock and roller to really play a solid body guitar, and he played a Fender. Um, he actually started out on Les Paul and then switched to a Fender. Carl Perkins, the 1950s rockabilly guy, uh, recorded blue suede shoes on a Gibson Les Paul. Um, Eric Clapton, of course, kind of defined the Gibson Les Paul in terms of how we know it today as a guitar that's great for heavy, overdriven distortion, which, of course, is not what it was invented for at all. <laughs> And, um, you know, actually, Jimmy Page is a funny example, because even though he's super uh, identified with the Gibson Les Paul, played it on stage with Led Zeppelin, he did a lot of Led Zeppelin's early in-studio recordings with a Fender Telecaster. He did. He did. That's so yeah. interesting. Didn't realize that. I, I got to ask, too, Fender, not just known for guitars, the real famous bass instrument was made, is still being made by Fender, correct? Yeah, and actually, the electric bass was Leo Fender's proudest achievement. You know, he... Came out with it in 1952, thinking that if there was an electric bass, basically like an electric guitar, it would make it so much easier for musicians to play. And it ended up really changing the way that uh, bass worked in music and giving us the ability to kind of have the heavy rhythms of, of not only rock and roll, but R&B and soul and funk. And those are really driven by the electric bass that Leo Fender invented. Thanks for listening to Martin Bandike Undercovers for June 2019. Our interview was with Ian S. Port about his book, The Birth of Loud, Leo Fender, Les Paul, and the guitar pioneering rivalry that shaped rock and roll. This has been a presentation of the Ann Arbor District Library.